I'm all about that fuss-free glam. Give me makeup that's versatile and feels like air on my skin and has ingredients that love my face, that's good for my face. You know, clean ingredients. And don't even get me started on mascaras because I do want them bold and lengthening. <laughs> and so we have Thrive Cosmetics, which I've been using since 2020, obviously because I appreciate their foolproof products that make it really easy to apply for any skill level. And they have a full line of makeup to refresh your everyday look, but also they give back. Every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. Hence why it's Thrive Cosmetics, C a u s e medics thrive cosmetics and bigger than beauty skincare are not just makeup brands they're a whole vibe they're all about empowering us to rock our confidence and when you support them we are helping other communities thrive their stuff is not only easy to use but no nasties zero parabens sulfites phthalates they are 100 vegan and cruelty free let's talk lashes thanks to thrive's liquid lash extensions i must say that my lashes are just so beautiful and lush it adds lengths there are no clumps and also guess what it slides right off with warm water so no raccoon eyes here and i appreciate they have nourishing ingredients that support longer stronger and healthier looking lashes over time and it's a unique formula they use that creates these tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. We've had problems in the past with the link, but the link does work now. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com magic. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash magic for 10% off your first order. As someone who is so excited to garden this spring, yet really wants top quality soil, I'm really excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine, which is an esteemed brand renowned for its organic soil offerings. And if you're seeking to infuse your home environment with a nourishing essence that promotes flourishing plant life, you're going to want to listen to this because with over 28 years of expertise, Coast of Maine has meticulously crafted soils sourced from oceanic waters and farms certified for organic cultivation. It's so nice to find such a sustainable sustainable, eco-friendly brand who really emphasizes the importance of natural ingredients to enrich their soil. And I mean, they have, like I said, top quality with rigorous quality control and OMRI listed certification. Their diverse range of products caters to all gardening needs. Most of our soils may lack appropriate nutrients for success for our plants and our plants need this. We want to regenerate the healthy microbes in our soils to set up for gardening success and just for our plants to thrive. So if we add Coast of Maine products, this will indeed help. Whether you're planting trees or shrubs or perennials in your yard, adding Coast of Maine soil in your planting holes leads to a long, slow feeding of your plants, making them self-sufficient and vibrant, which we love. Let's say you want a vegetable garden, 
Not only will you receive abundant harvest, but there will be less feeding and maintenance throughout the season. Amazing. You know that everything grown in Coast of Maine soil is organic and safe for your family and friends right out of the garden. And then you get to also feel good about their sourcing as I'm so thankful they provide natural ingredients because they will never include household waste or biosolids. And we know that nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, cultivated from products and practices rooted in coast of Maine. And so they will continually perfect the art and science of sourcing, mixing, and composting products worthy of the people in the place that inspired their brand and the healthier world it was built to serve. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers. We love supporting local and the products are carried by local retail partners who can provide advice and insight not found in big box stores. So Coast of Maine knows from beginner to expert, anyone who takes a hand to the land has something to offer the growing community of gardeners everywhere. And their products make organic gardening simple and approachable so we can all garden. So let's get to growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you. That's Coast of Maine, like the state with an E, Coast of dot hello magical friends i'm ali michelle and i'm raquel mantra and welcome to your own magic podcast our intention is to connect you with the most inspiring thought leaders and visionaries and share some of our experiences and wisdom to help you unleash your own magic yes we're so grateful you're spending this present moment with us today misconception that people have is that oh once i start meditating everything is supposed to flow and you know everything's supposed to work out that's not the way it happens at all in fact you get presented with more challenges than the average person because you can handle more you know spiritual growth is the same thing when we're doing our inner work that's kind of like you know going to the 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 inner gym is what i call it and these changes are a way of you know exercising those inner muscles there, it's, it's allowing us to be stronger. And if you look at it like that, if you can learn how to reframe that, and again, it's not easy. This is probably harder than blaming it on somebody else, right? When you really take responsibility and you can see it for what it is, this is actually sharpening my muscles. This is breaking something down so that it can grow stronger. Then you start to appreciate it more. Now let the magic begin. Oh, Yom Soul Tribe, do we have a special treat for you today. We have the one and only Light Watkins with us, a world-renowned meditation teacher and author of the books The Inner Gym and the highly anticipated upcoming meditation book Bliss More, How to Succeed in Meditation Without Really Trying. Light has been active in the meditation space since 1998 and travels the world sharing his wisdom on happiness, mindfulness, inspiration, and of course, meditation. Light is also the founder of the global pop-up inspirational variety show, The Shine, a movement that shares stories of regular people making a difference in the world. And I first heard Light speak at Wanderlust in Hollywood over a year ago, and his presence was so powerful and honest. It was a very inspirational and pivotal moment in my life and my meditation practice. So hello, Light. We are honored to have you here today. I'm honored to be here. Wow, that's such a great introduction. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for being <laughs> here. 
Yeah. It makes me, it reminds me of how much I've, I've um, just kind of been involved in, in that sort of meditation community because it people ask you know you run into people sometimes they go what so what's up with you what's been going on and it's and if you're doing a lot of things sometimes it doesn't feel like anything new because you're so process focused as opposed to outcome focused so mm. it's just interesting to hear the a sum up the, the sum up of the outcome of some of yeah. the things you've been involved in you have accomplished so much too. And we want to talk about that, your journey to finding, well, meditation and wanting to inspire people when it comes to happiness. Do you mind sharing with our listeners what were the pivotal events in your life that led you to meditation and guiding people to find their inner happiness? Of course. Well, I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to this, but um, I was I had a couple of pretty intense breakups and you know when when we get out of a situation that was very heartfelt it oftentimes leads us to reevaluate the path of our life and who we are and so in that sense i think uh you know relationships and and particular and actually when they end and i'm not just talking about love relationships i'm talking about breaking up from a job or breaking up from an apartment or breaking up from a city whenever we move on to something else there tends to be a, a reflection and ask or at least there should be a reflection aspect to that <laughs> uh, and so one of the conclusions that I arrived at was you know everything in my life this is in my like sort of uh, late 20s everything in my life that I look back on and I can see that it actually ended up better than I imagined for myself it started from me taking a, a leap of faith taking a chance listening to my heart and doing something that if I really thought about it and and dissected it, it would not have made a lot of sense intellectually. But I did it anyway, did not knowing what was going to happen, and it just turned out for the best. So I, I came to a point in my life, I think I was 28, where I, I made a conscious decision that I am going to stop overanalyzing things and I'm going to start following my heart relentlessly, which means I'm not going to question it. I may be anxious about it. I may be scared. I may be doubtful. But if it's coming from that place that I identify as my heart and it feels unambiguous, then I'm going to take the leap and just see what happens. And, and you know, hopefully the net will appear. So that conversation went on inside of my head before I came to Los Angeles, and then when I came to Los Angeles when I was 29, and I uh, was introduced to the guy that became a meditation teacher, and I recognized his energy as someone that I wanted to learn from because he, it seemed like he was the happiest person that I had ever met in my life, and it was a really authentic, genuine uh, form of happiness. And I just knew that I, I, I wanted to learn anything he had to teach. And it was really the first time in my life that I felt like that, where I, another human inspired me to want to be a mentee or a protege. And, um, and so I started, I started coming around and, and hanging out with this person. And he taught me how to meditate. And it was, it was the first time I'd ever felt like I was successful with meditation, meaning I was able to do it in a way that felt enjoyable. And then a few years after that, he invited me to go to India with him to learn how to teach meditation. And 
And I did that. It was, it was, it was probably the most impactful experience of my life. And then ever since then I started teaching meditation and that, that's kind of how that all started. Love that, and it seems like I mean, we actually did a meditation training in India as well. But it seems like um, the people that walk into our lives, you never know how they're going to impact us. And that's right. Hearing um, how much your journey shifted just from meeting this one teacher, he was the catalyst in your own practice. And I actually really, we watched your TED talk recently on debunking Mm -hmm. the five most common meditation myths. Um, One of which you said is, I'm a bad meditator if I can't quiet my mind. Mm -hmm. And um, I've heard (laughs) this so much in the wellness meditation space. So um, if the goal is not to quiet the mind, then for you, what is the primary purpose of meditation? Why do it at all? And what do you think it leads to? Yeah, that's a really good question because I uh, I think that, one of the biggest misconceptions around that, you know, not quieting the mind is that, is that the meditation is about having a quiet mind. So when we look at that and analyze that that uh, premise, then it it kind of lets people off the hook, you know, when they think, well, my mind's not quiet, it's not going to get quiet, it hasn't gotten quiet, so I don't need to meditate or meditation doesn't work for me. And so I think the better question is what you asked, you know, why why if it's not about that, what is it really about? And in order to really put it in the proper context, we have to take it back beyond you know, scientific studies. Because of course, there are scientific studies that say meditation can do all kinds of wonderful things for your mind, body, spirit. But if you go back to India, to the source of meditation, and look at why did these people meditate? Why did they even start it? What was, it, what was the purpose of it? What you end up arriving at is this kind of ancient Indian premise of oneness Mm. and the idea that everything is connected. And so another question related to that is if it's true that everything is connected, why don't we, why don't we oftentimes know that or, or why don't we behave in that way? Okay. So what's stopping us from having that awareness that everything is connected, right? And without thinking about it too deeply, um, one could say, well, it's, it's my mind. You know, my mind is not, is not producing the, the thoughts that lead me to the awareness that everything is connected. In fact, everything in my mind is telling me everything is not connected. And so that connection conversation sounds like some kind of hippy-dippy, woo-woo, you know, up in the clouds, <laughs> type of esoteric concept. But the real life, quote unquote, real life uh, situations that actually we're not connected. There's all this stuff in between us. Look around me. You know, you're in Hawaii. I'm in Los Angeles. Uh, there's an ocean between us. You know, where's this connection you're talking about? But there are there are hints of this thread of connection when we have moments of synchronicity, when we have moments of coincidence, when you think about somebody across the world and that person calls you, you say to yourself, God, I was just thinking about you and you just called me, oh my God. You know, that is an internal cue that there's something else at play here. And we've all had moments in our lives, and I I told this, you know, 
the sort of short version of how I met my teacher, but the longer version involves all kinds of coincidences and synchronicities and, you know, how did that happen type of scenarios that when you look back on it, it almost makes it obvious that it was supposed to happen. And we all have that. When we look back at our lives, at the training we, we received or didn't receive, at the parenting we got or didn't get, and how that shaped our perspective and other experiences, it kind of almost seems obvious that, oh yeah, that's why we have the worldview that we have that helped to launch our passion or career, or whatever it is that we, we, um, we spend a lot of time doing or thinking about these days. So, so originally meditation was a way of tapping into or accessing the internal state of consciousness that gives us a direct experience with the oneness. And it's through having the direct experience of oneness that allows us to trust that internal voice a lot more. And that's really why people started meditating. They, 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 they have a, na- a term for, for, this, uh, for the, the outcome of this experience, which is self-realization. Becoming self-realized is another way of saying you are, you are becoming more and more aware that there's not a two-ness that's happening. There's a oneness that's happening. And so that awareness gives you a, a level of comfort in whatever experience you're, 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 you're going through that this is not just some arbitrary waste of time, throwaway moment, but this is actually very purposeful, very meaningful, and and you should actually pay attention to what's happening around you. And this internal messaging is what allows us to be more present. Without that, it's very challenging to be present. It's very challenging to be happy in the moment. And and as a result, we end up looking for happiness always in the future. There's this constant search for happiness in the future, and that's what we're experiencing right now which is leading to a lot of anxiety, and people are waking up to that, and I think that's why more and more people are starting to seek out the practice of meditation. Mm, so it's kind of this vehicle to cultivate a more intimate relationship with that inner guide, and speaking Correct. to that oneness that you're talking about, there are so many different philosophies in the meditation world that it can be kind of difficult to discern what's true and what's real, so... I would love to read your thoughts on enlightenment, what it is, if it's attainable for everyone, and if you've had any personal experiences or glimpses with this. Right. That's a really good question. You have good questions. (laughs) Thank you. I'm impressed. (laughs) Normally I do this. People ask me the stock questions. You you guys are coming with it. I love it. Oh, we just want Um, to go beyond the basics. (laughs) We really want to pick your brain. I see. I see. I see. So, you know, regarding different philosophies, um, that's true. And I think a good way to kind of visualize that is every philosophy is kind of like the far, the far end of a tree branch, right? So, so uh, I'm, I'm not a botanist or anything like that, but you look at a tree and a tree may have, you know, a thousand different branches, Right. And, and, and there's a lot of separation in between each one of those branches. Right. One branch could be on one side of the tree. Another branch could be could look a little bit different and be on the completely opposite side of the tree. But when you start to take it back to the root of that particular philosophy, eventually everything kind of comes together into this into this uh, uh, agreed upon, again, philosophy or premise of oneness. So I think it starts there. And then depending on who is the person who is 
advocating for, for that particular philosophy, obviously those principles get filtered through that person's consciousness and, and that person may describe things a little bit differently and, 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 and in time that becomes its own unique philosophy. There's a, there's a, a metaphor in India that's used quite often when talking about uh, Brahman or totality and they describe it as an elephant. You know, it's like five, five blind men or I guess they could be women as well, five blind, blind humans uh, all are kind of experiencing different parts of this one uh, elephant, right? So someone is one person in the front is saying, "Oh no, look, God is kind of has this kind of flatness, this flat pancake shape," and somebody at the tail is saying, "Oh no, God is like a a little narrow thing at the with the furry thing at the end," and someone who's at the tusk saying, "No, God is like this really hard kind of rounded thing," and someone else is on top saying, no, God, this is very wide, you know. <laughs> and so every, they're all describing the same thing, basically, mm-hmm. but they don't realize it. And that's, that's kind of what these philosophies are saying. Now, where the differences mainly come in are, is not, it's not about where it's leading to. Everybody pretty much agrees that, you know, any kind of meditation is going to lead to some sort of self-realization. Uh, the question is in modality, like, what's the best way to get there? So one guy may say, well, the best way to get there is, devotion you know bhakti yoga sing devotional hymns chant call and response you do that often enough and you'll start to experience enlightenment and i'll talk about enlightenment in a second somebody else may say well no pranayama breathing is the best way to do it somebody else may say no uh, walking around being mindful of everything is the best way somebody else may say no sitting with your back straight and your legs crossed in a cave is the best way somebody else may say well no sitting in your car any kind of position is the best way so the modalities are really really the differences um, but the outcome is often the same. So what, do, what is enlightenment in my, in my eyes? When I'm thinking about these kinds of principles and philosophies, and particularly where it comes to something like enlightenment, again, I don't like giving definitions that lets people off the hook, because I think that you know, this is a, these are practices that were ultimately invented by people, for people, and not for sort of celestial beings or deities or devas or any, anyone like that, that we may imagine you know, some person on a bed of nails in a cave in India, and that's who can excel at this particular practice. No, it's it's for real, real people like us. And it was created by people like us. And yes, they may have made different choices based on their priorities, but they're still people. You know, they still go to the bathroom like we go to the bathroom. They still have concerns about their basic needs like we have concerns about our basic needs. But some people, you know, as we can see just even in our modern day world, some people uh, have some abilities that they just honed and worked on for a very long time, and they can do things that other people can't do. But it's not because they were naturally, necessarily naturally born with those abilities. They it took refinement. So for me, enlightenment is the awareness that you are never you are never not evolving. <laughs> mm, I love that. Yes. You are never not. And so, you know, when we look at suffering, right, which is the opposite of enlightenment, I'm not talking about pain. Pain, obviously, everybody reacts to pain. You know, you're, someone sticks a knife into you, you're going to, you'd be, it'd be very weird if you didn't react to that. But not everybody suffers in the same way or to the same degree. And so usually when there's a degree of suffering being experienced, it's happening because we 
feel like what we're experiencing is not what we should be experiencing. This is not relevant to my evolution. It's basically what we're saying or thinking. And, and so the difference is in that mentality and the enlightened mentality. The enlightened mentality is I'm going through this. I prefer not to go through it, obviously, but I'm going through it. There's nothing I can do about going through it in this moment. So there's some purpose to that. Or you could even go further and say, this is happening because if it wasn't happening, the whole universe would collapse, <laughs> right? <laughs> so this need, this is not only happening for me, but this needs to happen for me for, for my highest and best good. And maybe it's setting, setting me up to help someone in the future or to be able to relate to someone or for someone to be able to relate to me or I mean, it all comes down to really love and helping and feeling a greater sense of connection. But um, when when someone is enlightened, and this is what Jesus gets credited for, he never doubted. He never doubted for a second that his role on the planet was to help people. And where he was and what he was going through was all on purpose, even the crucifixion. And I'm not a Christian. I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan of Jesus, Christ, Jesus the Christ. But, you know, I'm not a practicing, uh, I don't go to church and all that, but I don't have anything against the people who do. But I think that the message of Jesus oftentimes gets lost upon people who are uh, so-called Christians uh, in the sense that, you know, Jesus walked with a sense of purpose. And that purpose was not to see himself as a sinner who needed some other outside force in order to bring upon salvation. The salvation comes from within when we realize that where we are and what we're up to in life is purposeful and that, you know, what's important is really the intention behind our actions, not necessarily the actions themselves. The intention is to do good, is to help people. And as long as we have that intention, we're following our heart and all of that, then we're living an enlightened life. And if we're not, then we're, uh, we're living a life of some sort of happiness uh, seeking in the future, which which is, you know, there's purpose of that too, but it just, it creates more friction, which we call drama. Mm, I think that is the most accessible description I've ever heard on enlightenment, honestly. Um, Thank you. So oftentimes, even I picture um, that monk in India, in a cave, completely peaceful all the time, but I love the way that you described it in everyday life, that the relationship to it changes with the knowledge that, it's really happening for your highest growth and the highest expression of yourself. But speaking to those everyday needs and emotions, when thoughts or certain feelings like insecurity or shame or grief take over, is there a specific meditation you use that can help us to process these deep-rooted traumas and pain? Hmm. Um, so I've been doing the same meditation for the last 15 years. And... What I found is, and it's really interesting that you asked me that question because I think a lot of people have this idea that, you know, there's a meditation that's best for this and best for that. And it's, and what I found in my experience is that through doing the same thing over and over and over, it helps the happiness and bliss and internal peace stabilize a lot faster. And so those kinds of issues become irrelevant because everything has become stable, right? And uh, there's this really wonderful Bruce Lee quote <laughs> where he says, I'd rather fight 
he says, instead of fighting the guy that, that no, he says, I'd rather fight the guy that knows 10,000 kicks, right? Instead of the guy that has practiced the same kick 10,000 times. Yes. That guy's a lot more dangerous than the other guy who knows all these different styles and, and you know, techniques. And so the same is true for meditation, I find, um, is that when you practice the same technique over and over and over, it becomes second nature and it just, it just has a more powerful effect. So, so while there may be techniques that are you know, useful for different emotions and things like that, um, I, I would recommend practicing the same one because then it also eliminates the, the, the confusion that can come from that. Like which one is the best one to do right now? And you know, there's, everyone has a different opinion about what's the best for w which moment. And, uh, and that can give, again, that can let people off the hook. Oh, I don't know a right one for this one, so I'm just not going to do it. But if it's the same one, then there's no question. It, it saves time. You don't have to use any guesswork. You know exactly what to do, exactly how long to do it for. And you get the benefit of the long-term effect, which yes. is, which is, um, which is really the, the goal of meditation, externally speaking now, is to get to a point where you don't, it doesn't feel like a chore. If you're always starting over with a different technique, then you stay in that space where it feels like a chore because you're having to go through the learning curve of that new, new approach. Then what is your daily meditation practice? So I learned transcendental meditation mm, uh, ago from my teacher. Yeah. And I've been practicing that for all that time. And that's now what I, I teach. I don't teach it under that name because I don't, I'm not, I've never been affiliated with the transcendental meditation organization, but the technique itself is not necessarily, um, uh, owned by the TM organization. It's it's a trick. Their their name is a trademark of this very ancient Indian approach to meditation. And it used to be called deep meditation. It's gone through several iterations of the name, but it's the same technique. I love it. Well, then this is actually a great moment to plug your book because we are so excited yes. for your book, Bliss More, to release. And it also has a really uh, catchy that's... subtitle, How to Succeed oh. in Meditation Without Really Trying. That is definitely going to draw yeah. a lot of eyeballs. So that was brilliant. But what is it about and what inspired you to write it? So that subtitle is literally what the book is about. It's teaching people how, what are the tips, what are the hacks, what are the principles, what are the mechanics that you need to use in meditation in order to succeed? Now, the other question is, what does success mean? Why are we defining that, right? And I have a very specific definition for success in meditation. So I consider a successful meditation practice to be one that the practitioner enjoys and I'll go further to say one that the practitioner looks forward to doing because what I'm finding out there in the field, as I call it, <laughs> is that most people who meditate don't look forward to meditating. They do it because they think it should, it's a good thing to do or they should do it, you know, kind of like how I am with flossing my teeth. I've been flossing my teeth for 15, 20 years, like consistently. I used to do it a little bit off and on when I was a kid, but now as an adult, I do it consistently, but I, every single night I go through the same debate, you know, should I floss my teeth or should I just skip it? Oh, <laughs> That's because I, that gets exhausting. I know, yeah, I know it's good for me to do. It's just like, it feels like a hassle. 
every single time, even though it only takes a couple of minutes. <laughs> so I think a lot of people have that same kind of relationship with meditation. And the reason is because they just don't know how to meditate in a way that actually feels enjoyable. They're battling their mind or they're battling their antsy body and there are very simple techniques and, tip and, and, and tips for uh, settling the mind and for settling the body, resting the body. And that's where, that's where meditation feels really juicy and yummy and, and, and amazing. And so we want to ultimately get the meditation out of the dental floss category and into the, I call the, um, the Breaking Bad or the Game of Thrones category. You know, the thing that we will happily plan our whole day around, uh, like we used to do with the binge watching different uh, really popular uh, Netflix shows. So yeah, we want to get meditation into the, into the Breaking Bad category so people actually wake up looking forward to doing it. And, uh, and really it just comes down to understanding. It comes down to having the information be accessible. And, and the other big thing that Bliss Moore is going to do for people is it's going to give you the freedom of choicelessness. Mm. And what I mean by that is, you know, there are a lot of books out there on meditation that will say, oh, you know, just, you know, see how you feel. And then if you feel this way, do this technique. If you feel that way, do this technique. And it ends up overwhelming the reader with information. And I think it causes the paralysis of analysis. And what, instead of that, I'm giving you one technique. I'm giving you one approach that I have through my own personal experiences identified as the easiest approach to do that has the highest level of efficiency. And, and I don't want you taking my word for it either. I'm going to present to you, I'm going to present the information to you in a way that allows you to split test your experiences with everything, the way you sit, the way you handle your thoughts, time of days you do it. And you can see for yourself, which is, which feels the more effective. And my, my hypothesis is that you're going to find that my suggestions as someone who's been literally doing this full time for over a decade, every single week, teaching new people meditation. Yeah. You're going to find that my suggestions are going to be a lot more efficient and feel a lot more enjoyable than anything you've probably been doing in the past. And that's what's going to, I think, ultimately lead to more happy meditators and more people um, um, spreading the message of meditation and ultimately, you know, the more people being happier in the world. Yes, which will which spread more light the in the world. world. We're going to take a quick break to share our love for our sponsor, Hum Nutrition, who has an amazing giveaway for three of our sponsors. And a side note, I'm honestly super skeptical about any brand that claims to be the cure or the magical elixir to all your issues. But seriously, guys, Hum really does seem to heal almost all. I... I'm going to be honest right now. I have had terrible digestion and chronic bloating since I got back from Bali a few months ago, and it put me in a funk for a while. So when a friend recommended Hum to me, I took, I decided to take the Flatter Me and Gut Instinct tablets, and now... Well, let's just say I run a little more smoothly. And Hum is offering three of our listeners three months of $150 worth of Hum products for free, which is amazing. All you have to do is rate and review our 
podcast on iTunes, send a screenshot to info at yourownmagic.life and tell us that you want to submit for the HUM giveaway. Yes, and don't forget about receiving 20% off HUM nutrition with our promo code MAGIC. Yes, I can't wait to read your suggestions. You actually mind giving a couple tips of what, like for example, I know a lot of people always ask us like, how long should I meditate for in order for it to work? Or what should I do in order to center my day? Are there any tools from the trade that you want to share with us? Of course. So, um, you know, the length of time that you meditate for is, is subjective to what you're doing, what you're calling meditation, right? And, um, for instance, if you meditate in a very efficient way, you only really have to meditate for 10 to 20 minutes and that will give you the biggest bang for the time you're spending in the practice, right? If you're meditating inefficiently, then you can meditate for an hour and still not feel as, as uh, settled as you would have felt in those 10 minutes of meditating in a very efficient way. So, you know, one of the easiest things, easy, easiest adjustments for people to make is just the way you sit, right? A lot of people think you have to sit like the Buddha in order mm-hmm. to meditate effectively. And you actually don't. You don't need to sit with your legs crossed. You don't need to have your palms facing up because it's more receiving or your palms facing down because it's more grounding. All these things you hear <laughs> in different meditations. You know, it sounds great, but I mean, are people really having that tangible experience of receiving or grounding in the meditation? Or is it just a kind of a placebo thing that a meditation teacher, and I've said it before in guided meditations because it's a nice thing to say, but it's the question is, is it absolutely necessary to create the inner, internal experience that people, most people want to have? And, and I want to take a moment here just to distinguish something because I don't want the guided meditation teachers to get upset with me when they listen to this interview. My, my book, I say this right at the beginning, I say that my book is not for people who have a practice that they already enjoy. Yes, you may get some refinements from reading my book, but if you already enjoy your meditation, and I, I don't care if you're standing in your head, you know, rubbing peanut butter on your face. If that's your meditation and you look forward to doing it every day, <laughs> this book is not written for you. My book is written for people who are like me, who were dabbling and trying different things and always feeling like a failure whenever they meditated and feeling like they weren't they weren't in on the secret. You know, what's this thing about bliss and, you know, why is meditation associated with this word when it just feels like I'm being tortured by, you know, Dick Cheney or somebody during the meditation practice. <laughs> so, so it's, it's about taking that person who sincerely wants to have a powerful, beneficial, enjoyable experience with meditation and showing them some basic, you know, easy steps to the practice. Um, so going back to what I was saying before, you know, there are a lot of instructions you will hear in meditation circles and meditation, you know, um, classes and things like that, that may work for whatever the purpose of that class is. But for our purposes of settling the mind and body, um, there are some principles that will affect everybody kind of in the same way. And, and that, so that word principle I'm using very intentionally because there, the gravity is a principle, right? It doesn't matter what your personal beliefs are. Gravity is going to affect you in the same way it's going to affect me, right? And the law of aerodynamics is going to affect you in the same way it's going to affect me. So 
there's certain principles in meditation that no matter who you are, no matter what you've been practicing, if you do them, it's going to affect you in the same way that it affected me and, in, and anyone else who practices or puts those principles into practice. And so one of them, of course, is body position, sitting in a way that feels comfortable. And when you do that, you eliminate the body as a potential distraction to the process. Otherwise, if you sit in a way that feels uncomfortable, what are you going to think about the entire time? Your uncomfortable body, right? And so if that's what what's going to be in your mind, then it's going to, it's going to be very difficult for your mind to settle uh, if your body is uncomfortable. And I give a couple of really you know, easy thought experiments around that if people want to do them. But it, 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 it actually ends up being quite obvious when you, when you read about all that in context. Mm, I love that gravity is a principle and these are the same principles that will affect us all in the same way because there's so, such an overload of information out there. So it sounds like a really simple, just direct way to get involved with it. But how do you think that meditation has affected your relationship with other people and more importantly, your relationship with yourself. God, I have to applaud you again on your questions. (laughs) 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 Um, All right. Okay. So I'm just writing it down so I don't forget. So my meditation has, you know, you know, I talked about enlightenment, which is, which is, uh, accepting where you are so an extension of that is you accept other people where they are right and a friend of mine kyle cease who's a wonderful transformational comedian one time i heard him say this thing that was very powerful he said anytime you get upset with someone they're not really the problem the problem was your expectations of who that person was supposed to be in that particular moment. It's an expectation problem. It's not a relationship problem. It's your expectations are off of what that person should be, and and that's why you're upset. And so, you know, when you're practicing going inside and accessing the bliss within and and feeling, not just thinking about this idea of oneness, but feeling the oneness, feeling that thread of connection, it's a lot easier to accept other people for who they are and not need them to be anyone else. And to know that just like you're on your evolutionary path, they're on their evolutionary path. And maybe that means they have to go through this you know, addiction phase or they have to go through this really mean or depression or whatever people are experiencing they have to go through that they have to gain a lot of weight or have to be anorexic or they have to lose all their money or they have to be in these really bad relationships and that's part of their evolution and who are you to determine for them that that's not what they're supposed to be experiencing now obviously if someone reaches out for help you know that's your choice to help them to whatever extent you think that um that you should but if that person is just living their life and they happen to intersect with you in certain ways, you don't have to be close in proximity to them. Like that's your choice. That's you, that's on you to create boundaries for yourself. But that doesn't give you the right to judge them or judge their life based on what they what choices they've been making for their own evolutionary process. So I find that when I'm when I'm able to do that because I'm you know I'm not perfect I I oftentimes you know still have expectations for people and get disappointed 
But in the moments where I'm able to do it, I find that it's just a lot easier to, to do it, to, to, to accept people and to continue accepting them. Um, uh, without, without slipping back into the old pattern of, of getting disappointed by what they do or what they say. And so that also answers the second question about how my relationship with myself has kind of evolved from meditation is I can accept myself a lot more, you know, when you can, when you can accept your, and, and you can, you know, it's chicken and egg thing. If you can accept yourself, it's a lot easier to accept others. And when you can accept others, it's a lot easier to accept yourself for your own faults. Now that doesn't mean other people are going to accept you and that's got to be okay with you too. You know, the, the fact that, you know, people look at me and they hear my name and they know what I do for a living and they, they have it. They have an, ex, there's an expectation for me. You can't be called light and then be an asshole. You know, that doesn't really <laughs> that doesn't really work. So in the moments where I may be perceived as an asshole, you know, people have a lot higher expectation for me. And so the, the, the defense mechanisms and the punishment and all that stuff that I end up getting is probably a lot harsher than if I was just some guy who was, you know, not really, um, not really using his gifts and talents in the way that, that he could. And so, you know, but that, that, that comes with the territory. And, and I, and I, and I see that almost as a badge of honor mm -hmm. that people look up to me and take what I say, you know, very seriously, because it means that I've been doing something that has been very impactful in, in, in the world. And I'll take that. I'll take it every single time. And I'll just understand that it comes with the process. But I'm, I'm very, um, I'm very easy on, on other people compared to where I was before I started meditating. And, and I'm also very easy on myself. And that's not to say that I'm not hard on myself, but compared to where I was 15 years ago, I'm a lot easier. Oh, that is so, so good. And Especially since the more you meditate, you really do cultivate a stronger sense of acceptance for not only others, but yourself and you're, you become to, you start to love yourself fully even more. However, I mean, I'm somebody who also meditates daily and I preach self-love, but there are, and I'll be completely vulnerable and honest. I have slip ups. I'm human. There are times when I definitely just feel lost and confused and tapped out of myself and my truth. And I feel like a little lost. And that has happened sometimes recently. If I'm going to be completely honest, what would you say for somebody that's going through that though? They've had a strong, I don't know if it's just because more challenge, I'm being faced with more challenges right now or what, but what would you say to somebody Give someone advice for somebody who just wants to find that inner light again and spread that light. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. I sent out an, I sent out this email every morning called the Daily Dose of Inspiration. Yes, I am signed up. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if you got a chance to read today's yet, but today's message is that is that all change is essentially evolutionary and it's making us stronger. And so, you know, when I hear situations like that, what I think to myself is, well, you're, you are being refined in certain areas. And I think that's a big misconceptions, misconception that people have is that, oh, once I start meditating, everything is supposed to flow and, you know, everything's supposed to work out. That's not the way it happens at all. In yeah. fact, you get presented with more challenges than the average person because you can handle more, mm. right? 
when I started going to CrossFit <clears throat> recently, in the last six months or so, you know, you never do the same workout twice. That's one of the, that's one of the, I, I think, a positive things of CrossFit if you want to see uh, muscle growth because the body doesn't respond well to doing the same thing over and over and over. It needs to be shocked. It needs to be, it needs to experience change. And that way it grows in the fastest, most efficient way. And, and you know, spiritual growth is the same thing. When we are, when we're doing our inner work, that's kind of like, you know, going to the, the, the inner gym is what I call it. And, uh, Your book. and these changes, yeah, and these changes are a way of, you know, exercising those inner muscles. There, it's it's allowing us to be stronger. Mm-hmm. And if you look at it like that, if you learn how to reframe that, and again, it's not easy. This is probably harder than blaming it on somebody else, right? When you really take responsibility and you can see it for what it is, this is actually sharpening my muscles. This is breaking something down so that it can grow stronger. Um, then then you start to appreciate it more and it's amazing how much more you can perceive if you're coming from a place of appreciation versus a place of resentment right how much how much more open you are to the moment and when you can be that open to the moment you can see oh wait a minute wait a minute this situation is helping me strengthen my connection to a higher power it's helping me strengthen my intuition it's helping me learn how to rebuild my life after everything was ruined, right? Instead of having to live another 20 years and then looking back and thinking, oh, wow, that was that moment where my intuition became stronger. You're able to see those, those assets a lot faster, and that gives you more confidence in where you are, which allows you to be more present, which allows you to catch more of the information that is going to help navigate you out of that situation. It's like what Einstein said, you can't resolve a situation from the same level of consciousness that created the situation. You can only, you can only resolve it from being able to elevate your consciousness. And so elevating our consciousness gives us the access to information that will help us to improve a situation or upgrade it or you know, move, out of a, move out of it. But you, there's no day coming. If you're on planet Earth, there's no day coming where you're gonna wake up and everything is gonna be sorted out. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's no matter how much you plan. We're, yeah, we're in school. We're, in, we're all in school right now. We're in the school to learn how to love, mm-hmm. to learn how to connect. And, you know, so we're here, then class is in session, and there's going to be something going on. Uh, and we don't need to waste a lot of time resenting being here because we're here. We obviously chose to be here on some level, and so let's just get to the business of what we need to learn. And we really do know the answers deep within, which is so true. And you're right as well. It's everything is happening for us, not to us, but for us. And what are some maybe simple tools for recognizing that, for creating more happiness within ourselves and finding more love to share with others? Do you have some practical tools that people can do daily or maybe any specific examples of people you've seen transform? Sure. Well, we have to say it, even though it's obvious, but that's where we come back to meditation, right? That's meditation is the, the tool is probably the most efficient tool for, for not just, not just connecting with it, but for stabilizing it. You want to be, you want it to be stable because if, if you have to rely on meditation to pull you out of a situation, 
that's too much work, right? Ultimately, you want to get to a point where the happiness and the peace and the equanimity become so stable that you you don't even you don't even that those little dramas that can take somebody out of their head or out of their life they don't even really register with you anymore because you're operating at a, at a altitude you know a different a different vibrational frequency and so that thing could be happening but it just doesn't have the same power that it used to have right it doesn't again it doesn't mean you're absolved from any drama you you start operating at a different frequency which then makes other challenges uh, more appealing to 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 confront and that may be a bigger challenge than just you um it could be a, something about your community it could be something about your world your country and uh and those those are the challenges that seem more interesting than just oh i need to pay my you know my light bill next next week or anything like that so another tool for uh helping to stabilize it is uh, aside from meditation is uh the gratitude gratitude is an excellent tool uh, just literally waking up and just thinking about a handful of things that you're grateful for. Just just articulating that in your mind puts you in a space of appreciation for what is happening right now. And that has been shown to have very positive chemical effects inside of the body. Um, other things such as uh, dancing. You know, dancing is very, very uh beneficial in, in terms of stabilizing happiness any movement really you know exercising obviously is beneficial um but dancing is kind of cool because it's fun comedies you know listening to comedy i listen to stand-up comedy all the time and i love watching comedies but anytime we get an opportunity to laugh uh it's, it's very healing it's, it keeps us very present um there's nothing like hanging on to every word that a comedian is saying uh, while they're getting to their punchline, you're not thinking about anything else. It's just you in that moment, and that's what makes it so funny. Is because everybody is so engaged in that moment. The moment you have to start thinking about your bills because the person is not that expert at being a comedian, that's a bad comedian. A good, the best comedians are the ones that bring everybody right into that moment with them as they're going through their story, and um, connecting with people who are. Who are, who are happy producing as opposed to, you know, drawing down on the happiness that you have. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, it's, it's fine to do some community service and go out there and, you know, give uh, from the heart and give the happiness that you have. But you also need, we also need to be able to relax and be around people that are, that are uh, helping to cultivate joy inside just from, from their giving nature and you know it's surprising how many of us entertain or keep people around that are just always kind of being very needy and it's it's really a level of codependence that we have you know thinking that if we get rid of them then we're not going to have anybody fun to hang out with because those are the most fun people and actually when you challenge that assumption the most fun the, the most fun people are the people that make you inspire to be better and that challenge your perspective on on things that may not be you may not be thinking of, you know about the full picture and you know that that to me that's what's exciting and adventurous because those conversations usually end up 
leading you to take that leap of faith. And that's, you don't know what's going to happen next. And that, I can't think of anything more adventurous than that. And, and, or think of anything more boring than knowing exactly what's going to happen next, you know, because you've figured it all out or you're doing the same things you've been doing for a thousand years and, you know, that whole thing. So I think surrounding yourself with people who push you is, uh, is, is very, very happy, happy, uh, stabilizing. I love that gratitude surrounding yourself with people that really get you out of your head. And I also love um, the dancing recommendation mm-hmm. because, fun fact, we actually had a dance party right before this call. <laughs> just get out of our heads. Okay. And- You'd be so proud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you know I'm not one of those people that thinks it's all about meditation. All you have to do is meditate. No, you gotta you gotta eat properly. You gotta you know you gotta put yourself around other people. You have to have you have to challenge your thinking you have to move your body you gotta you know there's so many other things that are at play you can't just be sitting around all day meditating thinking that that's gonna bring about some you know uh stable place of of, of happiness or contentness it's, it's a it's a holistic approach in meditation what i do like about the meditation is i consider it to be a key habit which means you are a lot more likely to dance and to be grateful and to surround yourself with cool people because you're meditating or <laughs> otherwise, you know, you have to kind of force it a little bit and it could be a little bit contrived and, and we don't, we don't ever really like feeling like something is contrived. So it's the foundation. I, I like that. Mm. If I'm actually just scrolling through your Instagram accounts right now. I see you guys. You are, are you really? <laughs> we definitely follow you. Uh, <laughs> and I'm looking at, and everybody at your life should. And you are at Light Walkins, and yeah. if you want some yeah. more inspiration aside from his email, which we'll talk about yeah. towards the end. Yes, yeah, um, this food looks amazing. You guys are having a great. You, you guys are living the dream. <laughs> You're, we're, we're all living the dream if we choose to, right? Wait, are you in our Insta story or actual feed? <laughs> I'm on your feed. I'm not in the Insta story. Oh, yeah, I think so that's that. right. I posted food in Bali. Well, speaking of Instagram and everyone just globally tuning in if every single person on planet earth could just pause and hear you right now what would be the mm-hmm. most important message for them to know um <laughs> that's a really big question <laughs> <laughs> gotta go out with a bang <laughs> <laughs> what is the most important question for them to know uh I would say be grateful for whatever's happening right now. Mm. Be grateful for whatever's happening right now. I'm grateful. Or, right now. or better yet, I would say find the gratitude in whatever's happening right now. Because that, that's more of an action than just saying to be grateful. But find it. Find, find And I do this all the time for myself. I'll be in, you know, I'll be in these really sticky situations and... I oftentimes have to reverse engineer the gratitude where I say to myself, okay, I know this is happening for me and for my highest and best good. Why could that be the case? And I'll have to start going backwards and I'll have to look at all the things that are happening and go to myself, you know, okay, well, this is good. That's good. This is not so great, but that's good. And, and then work back from there. Well, why is this? This is good because that other thing happened, you know, yesterday. Oh, and that thing happened because this other thing happened and you can see a chain of events that, you know, all are deserving of appreciation and, and gratitude. And it's like, wow, I'm actually pretty blessed here. 
And I've been spared from so much drama that I could have so easily gotten involved with if these other things hadn't happened in the way that they happened. So these other things I've been overlooking all this time, just because I forced myself to kind of find the gratitude in that moment, I'm now bringing to light all these other wonderful things that have been happening in my life. Yes, that is so powerful. And to find something that you're actually truly grateful for and all that we do always have so many things around us that we're not even really paying attention to because a lot of times we'll just focus on the negative or what is making us feel tapped out for a moment. But if we recognize what makes us feel good and the people around us, it's so amazing how that just one moment can shift everything and uplift you. So that's so powerful. Also, we have a question that we ask everybody that we interview at their very last question how would you advise people to create their own magic um i mean it's gonna it's gonna meditate (laughs) meditation meditation (laughs) called it it's an inspiration generator and to create magic you know that word create requires some degree of inspiration. I don't know about you, but I find it very hard to create when I'm not inspired. When I have to, when I'm being forced to create something, the creation that I come up with is not nearly as impactful as the ones that come through inspiration. And whenever I'm feeling a blockage creatively, I just stop and I sit down and close my eyes for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. And I'm going it with any kind of agenda, like, oh, I need to come up with this idea. I just stop and sit down. And then it's amazing how the ideas will just come. Yes. And it's happened so much now that I'm, I've gained a, a high level of confidence around that as a way of generation, generating um, inspiration. But, yeah, I would say the magic happens through meditation and also through consistency, through follow, from following through, which is I, th- I think a lot of people have a very difficult time with, is their follow through. Mm-hmm. In other words, when they get the blockage, let's say they meditate and it doesn't come, they'll think, okay, well, it wasn't meant to be, right? And that's not, that's not what's happening. What's happening is you're not showing up for it fully. And it, it comes through when you show up for it fully. And it's a really wonderful little anecdote about William Faulkner, who's an author, American author. Someone was asking him, I think an interviewer was asking him, um, you know, you know do, you, do you write on a schedule, schedule basis, or do you write when you, only, when you get inspired? And he said, you know, I write when I'm inspired. And luckily that happens every morning at nine o'clock. <laughs> brilliant (laughs) because it's true i mean me doing this daily email i've seen now firsthand that yeah you have to show up every time you say you're going to show up and and the inspiration comes through that it comes through showing up for your meditation it comes through showing up for your other practices and and otherwise if you're sitting around waiting for it to happen it's not going to happen it doesn't happen like that that's true. And your body also gets used to it, that power of habit. And you're right, it becomes yes. more powerful and you get more into it just because you know it's there. Yes, your body, your mind, and your spirit, mm-hmm. they all respond positively to that. That is so wise and 
that was, that's why everybody needs to sign up for your email so they can get that daily uh, dose of inspiration, which we highly, we highly encourage all our listeners to go to lightwalkins.com because your daily dose of inspiration really inspires me and sets me up for my day. So I just wanted to thank you and express my gratitude for that. So we highly encourage people to do that. And we also want to let people know, like, where can everyone find you and meditate with you and see you on social media, find you on social media to say hi. Yeah, sure. Um, the I'm on social media at light Watkins, L I G H T W A T K I N S. Uh, online at uh, lightwatkins.com. And you can pretty much find everything through either one of those, Instagram, um, Facebook, Light Watkins, and online. And then you can find out all the meditation offerings online, in person, on retreat, and, uh, and anything else that I'm up to. And also, don't forget to come to The Shine when it's happening yes. in your town. If you're in LA, New York, or London, we have these awesome pop-up inspirational variety shows that leave people feeling it's it's the opposite of watching the news you know how these days when you watch the news you kind of mm. feel <laughs> you feel like oh my god what's happening to humanity yep. and then you go to the shine and it's like oh my god this is, um, humanity is amazing that's <laughs> so, beautiful it's, that's wonderful and also yes. for them to keep an eye up out for your upcoming book blissmore um, Bliss Moore's out in January, January ah. 23rd. But you, you can pre can buy it now, and um, I'm still working out the the bonuses for buying it now. But you will receive some sort of bonus for buying the book now. I love it. We'll link that in the show notes below for everybody. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. We are so grateful. Oh, thank you so much. That was a really enjoyable conversation. I appreciate the the thoughtfulness of your questions. You guys are for people doing this for a couple of weeks you're expert already oh, thank you <laughs> we so appreciate that and you're such a light in our life so that was this has been very uplifting and actually life transforming for me in a lot of ways just so you know oh you're so your sweet. Nuggets of thank you stuff. well i look forward to uh, connecting with you hopefully at the wanderlust in uh, in march yes, yes absolutely We are so grateful you tuned into this podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and rate us on iTunes. Yes, and those of you who leave a rating and review, we want to share our gratitude by sending you a special gift. Just email info at yourownmagic.life and we will send you an exclusive meditation guided by the both of us. And make sure to say hi to us on Instagram. I'm at Allie Michelle L. Don't forget the random L at the end. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Raquel mantra. Thank you and have a magical day. Thank you.